Welcome to the Intesa San Paolo Talks. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Intesa San Paolo Talks podcast. I'm Guy Ruddle and for this episode I've come to the sumptuous surroundings of Milan's Galleria d'Italia Museum. Sitting in the same piazza as the famous La Scala Opera House and in what used to be a bank, appropriately enough, the museum is one of three owned by Intesa San Paolo. The others are the Palazzo Sevalo Stigliano in Naples and the Galleria di Palazzo Leone Montanare in Vicenza. And the Galleria d'Italia here is currently the home of an exhibition called From Clay to Algorithm. It's an exploration of the relationship between art and technology. And the works here have been brought together from the collections of Intesa San Paolo and the Castello di Rivoli Museum of Contemporary Art in Turin. And here we have everything from ancient Greek urns to a self-portrait by Agostino Caracci holding a watch to this. And that is the sound of flashlights firing off against a solar panel and creating that music. It's absolutely magical. The exhibition has been curated by Carolyn Christoph Bakajev, director of the Castello di Rivoli Museum, and Marcello Beccaria, who's the head curator of the museum. And I'm delighted to say that Marcella is going to give me a VIP tour. Marcella, thank you very much for having us here. Thank you very much. This is the most extraordinary thing. I mean, I think we should sort of walk around while we, while we talk. What, 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 was, what gave you the idea? What was the inspiration behind putting this collection together like this? We are talking about two very different institutions. You know, the Intesa San Paolo, of course, being a very, very important bank with a huge collection that of talks about uh, the history of the bank, it's uh, collecting trends. On the other hand, we have the collections of the Castello di Rivoli. Uh, Castello di Rivoli, uh, as you know, it's a museum solely devoted to contemporary art. Um, so, of course, you know, it was a sort of a challenge uh, somehow to, to conceive and to find a subject matter that could somehow create a dialogue among you know, two institutions and collections that are so different. This is an ancient Greek urn, there are a number of them, but we only have to walk a small distance over here, for instance, and we've got a video installation. Is it important that these very, very different types of pieces are, are brought together? Absolutely. You know, we live in a highly technological world. Um, many contemporary artists are interrogating themselves about the ways in which this technology is changing our bodies, our physicalities, our way of thinking, our way of, uh, of course, connecting with each other and relating to, to each other. Uh, so we thought it would have been interesting to, to go back and, you know, to, to use this, uh, this topic in order to explore the collections. And where we are, uh, somehow it's one of the starting points of the exhibition, we like to think, uh, because we really wanted to put into dialogue an ancient Greek urn 
um, that it's a very, very precious item that, uh, that it's part of the collections of Intiza from the Leningrad painter and we're talking about an urn that in what was made uh, 500 years before Christ. Uh, and we thought about putting it in relation with uh, a piece by Ed Atkins. Uh, it's a video installation by one of the most interesting uh, artists today working, you know, Ed is based in London and he mainly works with digital um, animation and virtual reality. What was very interesting to us is that, you know, the, the topic, the subject matter of the Greek urn, uh, it's a sort of reflection. Um, it describes a challenge uh, between um, artists that work on vases, painters that are actually painting themselves while they paint. Um, and so we have somehow an artwork in which we have uh, artists that not only uh, reflect about their own means, uh, but also use somebody's else technology, because the painter, of course, is using the technology of the person who shaped the vase. It's just about a way to explain that, you know, throughout time, and of course we, we are talking about a huge uh, time span, uh, but there are ways through which artists since the beginning have been dealing with technologies that not necessarily are invented by them. Uh, and, you know, we see this at work with a painter for the Greek urn and we see this at work for the artists working with digital reality. Now, we're not alone, Marcella and I. Uh, we're joined by the leading British art critic, Alistair Smart. Alistair, you've had a good look around this exhibition. What's your first impression? The most striking thing as you, you walk in is the fact that, you know, there's works here covering a couple of millennia, 2,500 uh, years, something like that, and yet it's, it's not a chronological hang. All the works are interweaved in terms of the, the chronology, if you like. So you've got the Greek urns next to, as you've, as you've got, the guys have already mentioned, the Ed Atkins video installation. I've got a Tintoretto behind me in the far distance. I can see a couple of Di Chirico paintings, for example. and. In another context, in another exhibition, you might think that was slightly disorienting, but it just seems absolutely correct in this particular instance. The point being that art and technology have been indelibly intertwined for centuries, millennia, in fact. Yeah. So, so it's it right on. Uh, but also seems apt that we're starting, as you walk into the gallery, the first thing I saw, and it was, was this wonderful urn that um, Marcella was talking about by the Leningrad painter, given that the word we use in English, technology, derives from the Greek word techne, which means art or craft or skill. The point being that art and technology have the same roots, even etymologically, in that Greek word. Let's move on. I mean, mm. we've spent enough time in front of Greek urns. So, yeah. <laughs> so Marcello, what, what Alistair's saying there about this, it not being chronological, was there a temptation to be chronological? No. No, because we, we also wanted to to work in a way that somehow would reiterate the way uh, the internet works. So we thought about the hyperlinked narratives, you know, the, the, the fact that we are totally uh, now used that when you search for a certain content, each page opens up to an infinite number of other pages. 
uh, and so somehow uh, it's physically impossible, you know, to create a narrative that goes from point A up to B uh, or from a beginning to an end. But, you know, things somehow are always in dialogue and in movement. And we really wanted an exhibition that somehow could reflect, uh, you know, the way the contemporary knowledge uh, works. I, I want to go into this other room. We, ha we haven't been here, but as, as we go there, as, I know you're interested in the in the relationship between technology and art and whether it's, whether it's changing? Um, yes, of course, because, you know, it was, um, it was important for us, for us to talk about a topic also that has been going through uh, some major changes throughout time. As Alistair, of course, was pointing out, First of all, you know, within the word technology, uh, within the etymology of the word, we already have both the meaning of, of art and at the same time of craft, uh, because to the ancient mind, these two things were totally intertwined. Uh, but then, of course, was interesting to us to, uh, to discover how throughout time there have been moments in which, of course, this uh, relation was a very positive one. Uh, and then there are some crisis moments in which this relationship seems to uh, somehow go out of sync. And uh, at the moment, for example, we are standing in front of a major artwork by, by De Chirico. We need to get a bit closer to it. Come on, I'm, I'm going to march you over to, over to it. And Giorgio De Chirico, um, for us, it was very important. I mean, not only because, uh, of course, in the, both in the collection of Intesa and in the one of the Castello di Rivoli, thanks to the Fondazione Cerutti, uh, we have two major artworks by him. Uh, but also because Giorgio De Chirico, uh, working uh, at the beginning of the century, around 1920s, is one of those artists that is immediately after Italian futurism that somehow, you know, it's the peak, as we all know, of this love between art and technology. And Alice, can, uh, you'll be better at describing this than I am. You're, you're, you're an expert at this, I'm just, I'm not. I wouldn't go that far, but it's, a, it's from, it's a couple, it's called Metaphysical Muses. It's a couple of his mannequin heads, is that right, Monty? Yes, absolutely. And why do we think this is, in your, in your view, the sort of sweet spot between art and technology in, in a perfect union or harmony, if you like? Because, because Giorgio de Chirico exactly started to paint his mannequins, his mannequins uh, in 1915, so exactly in the same year of the outbreak of World War I. Mm -hmm. And this presence of these, uh, of these figures that are somehow human and yet at the same time have no limbs, have no face, uh, seems to somehow just stand and be totally alienated from each other. Uh, of course, can be interpreted as a, as a very telling example of how, you know, technological advancements that unfortunately also belong to the language of war uh, can be perceived by an artist and how, you know, these new generations of, uh, of young soldiers coming back from, from the war, of course, physically and mentally wounded, somehow was changing the, the landscape of Europe. And when you talked about the crisis just before, about that crisis in the relationship between art and technology, maybe we could discuss that a little bit. When, rough, which period are we roughly talking for that and where? Well, I mean, exactly, no, I pointed out to, to the Chirico in order to somehow give a sort of watershed between a, 
a beginning in which we, for centuries, and also within, um, if, if we look at the many artworks that we have gathered, you will notice that in many cases we have technology that is part of the iconographical uh, topic. For example, uh, before we, we mentioned this other magnificent painting that belongs to the collections of Intesa by Agostino Carracci that is portraying himself as a clockmaker. Uh, and it's another example, you know, that shows you how an artist somehow can be intrigued, you know, by the advancement of technology. And in, in this case, to us, was even more interesting the chronology because the painting happens to be from 1582, that is exactly the same year in which the calendar in Europe was, uh, was changed and, you know, so a different um, system in order to uh, somehow account for time entered within, uh, within the culture. And where are we now, Marcelli, in the sense of is the balance between art and technology perhaps balanced too much, some might say, in favor of technology at the expense of art and creativity in an age of artificial intelligence and robotics? No, absolutely, I don't think so. Uh, I think that artists are very well used to, to, to think and live and work in you know, in, in complicated uh, times. So uh, I do think that great artists always know what they are doing. And uh, they question themselves, of course, about the, you know, the nature of our present and the ways in which technology is, uh, is changing our, our beings. As we, I, I know you don't, we don't really have a beginning and an end because it's not chronological, but as we head back towards, we'll head back towards the Greek urns, which feel like the beginning to me. I hope that's not wrong. But um, I wanted to ask you, Marcella, about working within Teza San Paolo. I mean, obviously, you know, you've talked a lot about how, you know, how great it is to have their, their sort of more traditional works and your more contemporary works together. Um, what about the whole sort of relationship between what is a bank, really, uh, and, and an institution like yours and, and, how, and how that relationship's developed? Well, it's, it's a very interesting relation, you know, because it's always interesting to, to work and be in dialogue with somebody that is, is different from you. Uh, and so there are always new things to learn. And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting then to find, for example, within the collections, moments in which uh, somehow the two institutions also focused on the same artists. And, for example, in the, in the exhibition, we devoted a large room to the works of Lucio Fontana, uh, because Lucio Fontana is featured prominently in the collections of Intesa, as well as in the collections of the Castello di Rivoli. And somehow is really a champion in this history, in this narrative, that we can uh, read about uh, the relation between art and technology. And is this the first collaboration between yourself and your museum? And and in Tesla San Paolo. Yes, it is the first collaboration. The last? Oh, well, hopefully we will continue. Marcella, thank you so much for that. It's been a tremendous to be here. Alistair, thank you very much for, for coming along as well. That's uh, pretty much it for this episode of the Intesa San Paolo Talks. Um, the exhibition, uh, From Clay to Algorithm, is on display until September the 8th, I think, is that right, Marcella? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, in, the, uh, in this gallery, the Intesa San Paolo Gallery, Galleria d'Italia. Uh, and after that, in the autumn, there will be more amazing stuff coming out of Intesa San Paolo. And I think in this podcast series, we'll be doing more on art and Intesa San Paolo. 
If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider. Uh, I think I'm going to hang around for a while and soak up this exhibition a little more. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Intesa San Paolo Talks, presented by Guy Ruddle.